Jonah chapter number 3, we're going to get there in just a little bit. We're going to get there a little bit. We, some of you know the story about Jonah, and we'll talk about that. We'll lead up to it, and then I've got one thought that's going to take us a while to get to. Second, Second Kings chapter 14, verse 25, you don't have to turn there. The Bible says, He restored the coast of Israel according to the word. This is talking about God. Restored the coast of Israel according to the word which he spake by the hand of his servant Jonah. Jonah was a prophet to the northern kingdom of Israel, after Israel split, you've got the ten tribes in the north and the two tribes in the south. You've got the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. All of that happened after Solomon was king. And uh, after the split, then Jonah is preaching to the northern kingdom. And he's preaching and warning them that they need to do right. They need to get right with God or God's going to bring judgment. He was preaching at the same time as the prophet Amos who is just a few, few pages over from where you're at in Jonah chapter number 3. He's preaching at that same time. And so when we read the, 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 the passage that Jonah uh, was given from the Lord, by the way, Jonah was not a pastor. Jonah was a herdsman, and God gave him a message. And so Jonah, uh, Amos, I'm sorry, Amos was the, uh, was the, was the herdsman. Amos was preaching and, and told folks and through the, uh, warned folks and through his message, we find out that Israel was a prosperous nation at this time. They were doing well. They, the, the crops were doing well. Cattle was doing well. Their, their borders, were, uh, their borders were, were, were fine. There was no invasion taking place at that moment. Financially, they were doing well, but spiritually, they were destitute. Financially well, spiritually destitute. Isn't that the story of a lot of America today? Spiritually destitute. Injustices, idolatry, ritualism. And so God sends a prophet named Jonah to preach to these folks, to warn them, thus saith the Lord. But that's not what we know Jonah about for. There's another story. While Jonah is preaching and warning God's people, God tells him, Jonah, I want you to go to the city of Nineveh. And I want you to preach to the folks there in Nineveh because if they don't get right... I'm going to destroy that city. Now, Nineveh was the capital of the Assyrian Empire. The Assyrians were the enemy. The Assyrians, it had been prophesied by God's men that the Assyrians were going to overtake the northern kingdom. And so when Jonah finds out that God said he's going to destroy Nineveh, if Jonah doesn't preach, Jonah says, okay, well, I just won't preach then. Here's a prophet who's preaching repentance. He's preaching obedience. And then God speaks to him and he says, not going to do it. Not going to do it. Now, here's this city, probably the largest city in the world. We don't know the population at that time. But Jonah knew that the people that were there were wicked. If you've read anything about what Hamas has done to the Jews, that's the Assyrians and that is no exaggeration. The Assyrians have left behind cuneiform writing and their whole library was all about how they mutilated people, the evil that they did to people. There was no poetry, songs, short stories in Assyrian literature. It's all about war. It's all about fighting. It's all about the injustices and the vile way that they desecrated the people, the bodies of the people that they 
conquered. So this is what Jonah was familiar with. Humanly speaking, Jonah thought he had a good reason for hating these people. Uh, so he says, I'm not going. By the way, if God called you or I, after reading what we've read this last few weeks, if God called us to go preach to Hamas, if you don't preach to Hamas, I'm going to destroy them, God says. If he said that, it's like, go for it, God. Do your thing. You know, I'm not going to preach to them. I'd just as soon see them annihilated. That's how Jonah felt. So he takes off to Tarshish. All right, let's, let's assume that the, 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 the platform here is the Mediterranean Sea. Jonah's over here. This is, uh, this is, yeah, this would be where Jonah is in the land of Israel, northern kingdom. Nineveh's 500 miles that way, more than 500 miles that way. Jonah gets in a boat and says, I'm going the opposite direction. All the way across the Mediterranean Sea, if you're familiar with the map, all the way around Spain to the other side. That's where Tarshish was. As far away as he could get from where God wanted him to go. You know, it's amazing what we will do when we get out of God's will, Christian. It's amazing how far, how far away from God we'll go before we finally turn around and come to our senses and realize, I can't believe I've gone this far away from the Lord. But that's where Jonah was. That's what he was doing. So he got on the boat. Great storm came up. The waves were tossing. The boat was rocking. And every time I teach a story about Jonah and this part right here, where they're in that wave, I think about going deep sea fishing that one time. I've been deep sea fishing one time. Brother Ray put it together way back when. We went deep sea fishing. Only time I've been out there. Only time. And it was doing this. And some of the guys that were the outdoorsmen, Brother Greg, McGee, they got sick. I mean, they were, they were drawing the fish to us. Uh, we had a great time getting They got sick. I had to stay away from it because I, I, miraculously, I didn't get sick. But I get sick at throw up. That makes me sick. You know, and so when they're, when they're about to barf, I'm going the other direction. But uh, Jonah's going through this. He's down in the hold of the ship. And they're about to die. And the shipmaster comes down and says, what are you doing? We're going we're gonna to die. You need to get a hold of your God. And Jonah's saying, let's die. I'm ready to go. And they, and they try to they try to they 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 try to figure out who's uh, who's causing this. They cast lots, and the lot cast, fell on Jonah. And they found out, you know, they believed that Jonah was the cause. And Jonah says, "Throw me over." No, we're not going to do that. They tried to throw everything else overboard, but finally they tossed Jonah overboard. And God had prepared a great fish, and that great fish swallowed Jonah. And after three days, God. Uh, Poked that fish and spit up Jonah on the shores of the Mediterranean. And God comes to him a second time and says, okay, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. 500 miles. 500 miles he's got to go to, to Nineveh. So he takes off. If he's walking 25 miles a day, it's going to take him 20 days to get there. All of this time, he still does not want to go. He still does not want to preach to those folks. But he's got to, 
20 days of thinking about it on his way. He gets to Nineveh. Let's look at it there in Jonah chapter number 3. Let's go ahead and begin reading verse number 1. We're going to pick up right there. The word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go unto Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. So Jonah arose and went unto Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceeding great city of three days' journey. So it was a big town, 75 miles across, three days' journey with our 25 miles a day. It's three days across, so it's going to be 75 miles. So Jonah enters in. Look at verse number four. And Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey. And he cried and said, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. He didn't go in there and say, okay, hey guys, let's get together. Let's get together. We're going to get a bunch of gifts and we're going to have a drawing, and we're going to have food, and we're going to draw a big crowd, and we're going to preach. He didn't do all those kinds of things, send out videos and send out. He didn't want anybody to, he didn't want anybody to repent. He really didn't care. Yet 40 days, and then it will be overthrown. Yet 40 days, and then it will be overthrown. And folks began to ask him, hey, sir, 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 what, 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 what are you talking about? I'm not expositing any scripture. I'm not preaching. I'm just telling you what God said. 40 days and this place is going to be gone. That's all he said. That's all that the Bible records that he said. Look at verse number 5. So the people of Nineveh believed God. Amazing. All he said. <laughs> Yet 40 days... And Nineveh shall be overthrown. Now you've got to understand my way of looking at this. <laughs> I get frustrated. Nineveh listens to a guy who preaches eight words. I spend hours working on a message. <laughs> I spent hours working on a message, trying to put something together. And then folks said, boy, that was good. I'll think about that, Pastor. I'll think about that on the way out. <laughs> and, 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 Jonah, and Jonah preaches eight words, and they're repenting. I'm a little bit jealous. No. <laughs> but, you know, you, you never know. You never know what God's going to do Amen. with a message or with a backslidden messenger. You never know what God's going to do. It says there in verse number five, so the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast. Put on sackcloth. That's some rough material. Not comfortable. From the greatest of them even to the least of them. Look at verse six. For the word came unto the king of Nineveh. I mean, this, was the, this would be like our mayor or a governor, the king of Nineveh. And he arose from his throne and he laid his robe from him and covered him with sackcloth and sat in ashes. And this is the king. This is the king. This is, this, is, this is the leader. He says, look what he says there. In verse number seven. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published through Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed nor drink water. But let man and beast 
be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily unto God. Yea, let them turn everyone from his evil way and from the violence that is in their hands. Now, does that jump out at you? Again, you have to... We're going to fast. We're not going to eat. And we're not going to drink. And the cattle aren't going to eat and drink. And the herds aren't going to eat and drink. And we're going to put on sackcloth. And we're going to put sackcloth on our cattle. It's like, okay, where are we going to get the sackcloth? The guys running the sackcloth selling shop, they're going to make a buku money right there. <laughs> I can't imagine. Grew up in North Texas, cattle country. You know, you take a cow out there, they're going to eat all day. That's just what they're going to do. They're just going to eat. How did they tell, how did they get the cattle not to eat? How did they get the sheep not to eat? You know, they're out there, they got them in the pasture slapping them, don't eat, <laughs> drink, don't, I don't know. I just, that's just the way I interpret the scripture anyway. <laughs> that was crazy. But it tells me he was serious. He was serious. He meant it. It says there, it says there, let every one of everyone turn from his evil way. I don't know what the evil way of the cattle is, but anyway. Uh, turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in their hands. Sounds like he meant it. Turn from your evil. So what's the point of all this? What's the point? Why did the king say, we're going to fast? We're going to turn from our evil way, our wickedness. We're going to turn from that. Put on sackcloth. Look at the next verse, verse number 9. Who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away from his fierce anger that we perish not? Who can tell? The message this morning from God's word. Who can tell? Who can tell if God will deal differently? Who can tell? The, the king did not force them. God did not force them. He did not require, the king did not require by force. Jonah didn't even tell him what to do. He didn't say, yet 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. But listen, let me tell you how to repent and get right with God. Let me give you a list of five things that you need to do to live for the Lord. And God will spend. He didn't do any of that. But the pagan king said, we've got to do something. Man, we've got to jump. <laughs> You get it from yesterday? You got it. We've got to do something. Maybe, maybe, just maybe, God will do something in our lives if we'll just act. If we'll just jump. It's a big statement. Who can tell? Who can tell what God will do? Who can tell what God will do? Who can tell what God will do when, when He sends a young couple? From Baton Rouge, Louisiana with two little girls on a school bus with everything loaded down on it and all their earthly possessions. With the, He was telling me yesterday, 40-something hours driving from Baton Rouge. Who can tell what God will do? Who can tell what, what God will do after COVID, after the mess? Who can tell what God will do? Who can tell? Who can tell what God will do when he takes a young... Takes a fellow from, <laughs> from Wichita Falls. He said, I want you to go down to Baton Rouge. I, I, I've got a music education degree. I didn't go to Bible college. Raised in church. I wasn't planning on it. Just 
you know, you can, you can listen to some of the videos. I'm going down there to lead the music. I'm going there, down there to teach school. And 40 years later, God says, I want you to pastor this church. Who can tell what God will do? Who can tell what God will do? Who can, who can tell? Who can tell? If you were here for Sunday school, on purpose I showed the pictures. I told you there was a quiz coming. This is the quiz. tell what God will do. You take my son Brent to Colorado to Fort Collins, Colorado to kind of an upper crusty area. Very elite. Driving around yesterday, I told Pastor it kind of reminds me of going to Colorado and going through Estes Park, just all of the tourists and all that going on. Very, very ritzy, much like what I saw some yesterday. How can a guy from Louisiana minister there? How can he have a ministry? Who can tell? Who can tell? I said, y'all, y'all have any bus kids? There's no poor people here. He said, we have no place to run a bus to pick up, to pick up folks. He said, the, the most needy folks are at Colorado State University, the guys that are strung out on dope. But here's what happened. There was a coaching change two years ago at Colorado State. Coaching staff from Nevada came down. And the offensive line coach was a Christian and made contact and started attending and joined Front Range Baptist Church in Fort Collins. And he said, Pastor, can, 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 I, have a meet? can I have a place? We don't have a place. That, we don't have a place. I want to get all the linemen together. I want to get all the linemen together and just have a cookout. And they said, sure. So they brought him to the church, and the guys made intermingled with them. The, the staff, my son, the, the pastor, Pastor Dean Miller Jr., inter, intermingled with them, got to know some of the guys and just talked to them. They're college guys, Division I. Several, several months later, this was in last year's football season, several months later, on a Sunday night, Coach Best called Pastor Miller and said, look, can you guys come talk to my, to my buddy? Can you talk to one of my linemen? He's going through a tough time. He's going through a tough time. He's the center. You could look it up. His name is Jacob Gardner. Jacob's mom had died of cancer. Jacob had come to, to Colorado State with the coaching staff. He had been recruited in Nevada. When the coaching staff moved, he and a couple of other guys moved with them, came to Colorado State. And Coach Best had Jacob sitting there, and Jacob's girlfriend, who was still back in Nevada, had just got a diagnosis of possible cancer. His mother had died of cancer. And Coach Best knew that this guy needed to be saved. He brought his pastor. He brought his assistant pastor. Can y'all talk to him? So after church, they went over there. My daughter-in-law, Melissa, pastor's wife, they got together and they were praying because Melissa had been through the exact same thing. They got there and Pastor Miller said, uh, Jacob, let me, let, me, let me tell you my story because Pastor Miller's mom had just died of cancer. And he told him his story, how that God saw him through 
It's how does that happen? I don't know how it happens, but I know it happens. Can't explain it. And then Brother Miller said, now listen to Brent, my son. Listen to Brent's story. And just two weeks prior, just two weeks prior, they had got the confirmation that Melissa did not have cancer. Melissa's grandmother died of cancer. Her mother's been diagnosed with cancer. Melissa was scared to death. And they, it, was a, it, was a, it was a shouting time when we got that phone call, let me tell you. And Brent shared that and said, well, how do you go through that? Because they had been through it for weeks and weeks and weeks. And Brent said, I'm leaning on, we're leaning on the Lord. We're leaning on the Lord. Jacob, you need God. You need Jesus Christ. He had heard the gospel. His mother had been a Christian, but he wasn't. And through that conversation, they led Jacob to the Lord. Amen. Jacob had a buddy who graduated last year. Uh, his name was Gray, Gray Davis. Gray was a lineman. He graduated last year. He was uh, finished. And, uh, and they talked to Gray. Gray, Gray was there and he didn't want anything to do with it. It was his roommate. Didn't want anything to do with it. He said, you've given me a lot to think about. At the end of last season, after the last game, Gray texted my son and said, Pastor Bartlett, just wanted you to know I gave my life to Jesus. Who can tell what God will do? Who can tell what God will do? How can, how can, who can tell if God takes a, 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 a young couple with four littles, four beautiful little grandkids, <laughs> takes them to, to, to Omaha area, Plessmouth, Nebraska, to work with Pastor Wicks, and a major crisis in the church takes place. And he said, you know it's God's will, because I would not come here on my own because I hate cold weather. And then two months into it, he finds out for such a time as this, we can help this church because we're not emotionally tied to all the things that are going on. Who can tell what God will do? Who can tell? Send folks at the right time, the right moment. Uh, hey, you say, Pastor, how do you, you, you think if I witness to somebody at work tomorrow, you think if I witness to somebody at school tomorrow, you think it's going to make a difference in their life? They've made fun of me. They've ridiculed me. Hey, who can tell? Who can tell what God will do? Who can tell what God will do? What's God going to do with the Assyrians? What's God going to do with Nineveh? They didn't know. The king didn't know. He said, who can tell? Hey, Jonah knew. Jonah knew exactly what God would do. Look at the, look at the, look at the next verse. Chapter 3, verse number 10. God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way, and God repented of the evil that he had said he would do, would do unto them, and he did it not. But it displeased Jonah, verse 1, exceedingly. And he was very angry. And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God, and merciful, and slow to anger, and of great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil. Jonah said, I knew what God could do. I knew what God could do. I knew that God was, I knew that God was merciful. 
I knew that God was gracious. I knew that these folks that, that are described as, 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 as wicked and evil and violent, he said, I knew that God could save them. I knew that God would save them. I knew that God wants to save anyone. And if you're here today and you don't know God as your, you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you've not accepted Him into your life, who can tell what God will do with your life? Who can tell what God will do? Hey, this guy knew. Jonah knew. He was kind of upset about it. But I can guarantee you this. You accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. And folks here are going to rejoice with you. Who can tell what God can do to a wayward soul in Napa? Who can tell what God could do with some salt of the earth folks in Nebraska? Who can tell what God would do to a rich kid or a rich family living in Fort Collins, Colorado? Who can tell what God could do with some Cajun folk down in South Louisiana? Who can tell? He's mighty to save. Jonah knew it. Who can tell? God can save. I tell you, somebody else who knows what God can do, that's those of us that know this book. Those of us that believe this book, because we know that the Bible says His word will not return void. All of the sacrifice of the weekend, all of the fatigue of the weekend, all of the expense of the weekend. Who can tell what God's going to do? Coming up in four months, the ladies' conference. Oh, it's a lot of work. We're doing it again. Who can tell what God will do? Who can tell? Who can tell? So we, you know, these folks leave. It's like when we were uh, when we were in uh, Baton Rouge, we would take the kids to. To Monterey, Mexico, for a mission conference, for, for a mission trip. And we would leave, we couldn't speak the language. We'd leave the, we would try to attract them with the singing and the Burning Hell film and different things. We'd try to get them to come to the service. And they, they would hear the message, they would hear the gospel. We'd never see them again. We won't see them again until we get to heaven to find out who actually trusted Christ as Savior. You know, so we're wondering did it really make a difference? You know, folks left here from yesterday. Did it really make a difference? Who can tell? Eternity will tell. Who can tell what God will do if you'll surrender your heart to Him? Who can tell? Who can tell? Who can tell? Bus worker. You're working hard. You're bringing folks to church. Thank you for the news folks riding. Thank you folks for coming today. Because it was 30, 40 years ago in Jacksonville, Florida. Bus worker knocks on the door, and a little girl and a little boy get on the bus, and they ride the Sunday school bus to church, and they get saved, and their parents start coming to church, and their parents get saved, and their life changes, and that little girl grows up, and she goes off to Bible college, and she meets my son Brent, and is the, the mother of two of my grandchildren. Who can tell? Because a bus worker, thank God for that bus worker that knocked on Melissa's door and invited her to church. Thank God for that. Who can tell what God will do? Who can tell when a soldier who was witnessed to by his buddy, army guy, witnessed to by his buddy and finally accepted the Lord as his Savior, but he still had a lot of growing to do. And he just, he, he was at a bar and he saw this lady this lady was a widow. She was a young lady, just a widow. Her husband had been tragically killed in a car accident right outside their house. 
And as a part of the bereaving process, someone gave them a Bible, gave her a Bible. She didn't know much about it, but she opened the Bible and began to read. And began to read how God, how God can comfort their heart. I think she was reading in Psalms, if I remember. How God can comfort her heart and how God can work. And she, she was reading that and it became alive to her. The Holy Spirit began ministering to her. And she said, this is true. This is true. She gets, she gets excited. She's going to go to church. She knows when she goes to church, she wants to dress up for church. And the dressiest stuff that she had was a, was a skirt. And she said by her testimony, it's not the kind of skirt that the pastor really wanted her to wear to church. It was a night club skirt. And she, gets, and she comes to Sunday school and they're asking for testimonies. And she stands to give her testimony and said, this book is true. This book is true. This book is true. She winds up meeting this guy at the at the bar and they let's go to the let's go to the Waffle House where it's quieter. We can talk. They wind up getting married. He accepts her kids. They have a child. That's my daughter in law with the four littles. Who can tell what God will do? Who can tell what God will do? God can do anything. Hey, how about this? A, a, a grandfather cashes in his retirement. This is in Pasco, Washington. A grandfather who worked for the public school system, teaching and administrating, retires and then cashes in his retirement to start a Christian school at Riverview Baptist Church in Pasco, Washington. And his grandson gets to, and granddaughters get to grow up in that church. And get to find out about God and give their heart and life to God and go off to Bible college and marry my daughter. <laughs> who can tell? Who can tell? Who can tell what God, who can tell what God can do? Who can tell what God can do when a young teenage girl is sitting at church at Revival in Central Texas, in Melvin, Texas, at the Evangelical Free Church, and the pastor's wife during the invitation comes up and puts her arm around and says, Della, do you know you're going to heaven when you die? I don't know. Wouldn't you like to trust Christ? Yes. And leads my mom to the Lord. And she winds up marrying my dad and raising children that are serving the Lord. Who can tell from a little old town in Melvin with one stoplight? Who can tell what God will do? Teaching Sunday school for over 50 years. Who can tell? Who can tell? The Bible says in Ephesians 3, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, he said, Preacher, I don't, know that, I don't know that God can use me. Who can tell? I don't know that God can save me. Who can tell? Who can tell what God will do? Who can tell? Yeah. God's got the gospel being preached in Napa. God has the gospel being preached in, 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 in Fort Collins. God has the, the gospel being preached in Baton Rouge. God has the gospel being preached. Who can tell what God will do from just one little one person and one person? Maybe that one person is you. He's willing. That's what Jonah said. He's willing. He's able. He's faithful. He's kind. He's mighty to save. And he's ready to save. He's ready to use anybody who will surrender to his will. Who can tell? Where does it begin? Begins like these folks in Nineveh. They didn't just sit back and say, oh, that's a nice message. Oh, I wonder what's going to happen. No, they acted. They repented. They took that next step. And that's what God wants to do in your heart and life today. He wants you to take the next step. 
You take that first step and God will meet you. He's not going to meet you halfway. He's going to meet you after that first step. That first step to accept him as Savior. That first step to surrender your heart and life to him. I don't know what it is. I don't know, I don't know you folks. I don't know what your need is. But who can tell what God can do through you?